Hey everyone, welcome to Clean Beauty School. I'm your host, Mind Body Green Beauty Director, Alexandra Engler. It's time to talk about aging and skin longevity. That's exactly what this whole episode is going to be about. How you can actually help your skin stay healthier for longer. I don't think it's a shocking statement to say that the modern beauty industry has created quite a toxic culture around aging. It's a culture that prioritizes flawless, wrinkleless, spotless skin above all else and encourages quick and often temporary fixes to achieve it. It's a culture that aims to turn back the clock instead of extending it. But listen, I'm a realistic beauty gal. I know that people will still want more youthful, brighter complexions at the end of the day. It's honestly what I get asked about more than anything else. People want to know how to take care of their skin so it looks good for life. Obviously, so many people out there lean on prescription topicals, in-office treatments, lasers, fillers, Botox, and even surgery to get their desired results. And by the way, I actually have no opinions on if people should or should not do this. It's your body. It's your skin. Treat it as best you see fit. But this does leave a gap for people who perhaps don't want to go down that route or can't go down that route. For those people, what else is there? Can naturals be an effective option for healthy skin aging? An option that even rivals its traditional counterparts? Well, McCrean Alexiatis thinks so. She is a double board certified dermatologist and a pioneer in the skincare and aesthetic industries. She has three degrees from Harvard, including her medical degree and a doctorate in genetics. She has developed many, many, many of the tools like lasers, radio frequencies, in-office treatments that are now considered practically staples. She is also a clean beauty pioneer. She has spent her whole career discovering and innovating and promoting natural bioactives to ultimately replace ingredients found in traditional skincare. She is one of the smartest and most talented people in the beauty industry, and I cannot wait to have her on today. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be here, Alexandra. I'm so proud and privileged to be part of your podcast. Oh, well, I can't wait. I just want to start off by letting our listeners hear your story and all about your career. You know, how did you first off get interested in skincare and beauty? Has it been a lifelong love? When did you decide you wanted to be a dermatologist? I would just, you know, I'd love to hear your story. Well, thank you for asking that. And increasingly, this has been the topic of conversation in my life. I've had a very long career, and my path towards becoming a clean beauty pioneer started, believe it or not, when I was only 12 years old after reading Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. Silent Spring by Rachel Carson was published in August of 1962, and it is often considered the book that launched the modern day environmental movement. Some people go as far as to say that it is the environmental text that quote unquote changed the world. So in the book, she argues against the use of toxic, harmful pesticides before knowing the full extent of damage to the environment, humans, and biodiversity. She also takes a pretty critical stance against modern farming practices, the chemical industry, and the government, 
who she calls on to be more active watchdogs. Obviously, it was years ahead of her time, and many of her core views are things that we are still fighting for to this day. So that was over 40 years ago. I started at that time making plant extracts at my local university in New York, where I was born and raised, with the goal of finding non-toxic plant-based alternatives to the chlorinated hydrocarbon pesticides that became famous for causing cancer at that time. I was so horrified by it that I felt impelled to do something about it. And since then, I have devoted my entire career in medical sciences to finding clean solutions and prioritizing the health of people, animals, plants, and the environment in my scientific endeavors. So as I have three Harvard degrees, and as an undergraduate MD and PhD at Harvard University, I did gain a tremendous amount of experience in both science and medical training. But I, that didn't stop there. I, I did a Fulbright. So I was a Fulbright scholar in Europe, and I devoted myself to finding non-GMO alternatives for agricultural crops and did that in my ancestral homeland of Greece. And then when it came to a medical discipline, dermatology was the natural path for me to apply my talents and work in pioneering plant-based non-toxic alternatives for the skin, which is the largest organ, and allowed me also to apply my scientific, artistic, and creative energies to best make a difference on the health of the earth and its inhabitants. I mean, clearly you've been so involved in this space, you know, quite before your time. Did it did it ever feel like there was some pushback in the community? Did it feel like you were doing something revolutionary? You know, I obviously clean beauty is having such a moment now, but even even Today, sometimes it feels like, you know, a little bit of an uphill battle to get people to to take the clean beauty space seriously. Did you have similar issues with that in your career? Absolutely. I felt as though it was very obvious to me that we were harming our earth and ourselves. And I felt that the industrial powerhouses just had way too much control and power uh, over agricultural science, medical science, and then frankly, the minds of people that it has taken many decades for people to catch up with me on this. So I felt that my work in pioneering clean alternatives to agricultural work and in the medical sciences was way ahead of its time. When I pioneered what I believe to be the first luxury clean beauty brand in the industry in the late 2000s and launched, I felt that it was threatening to all the other brands that still had toxic ingredients in them. And they managed to continue to utilize toxic pesticides and preservatives in the face of increasing scientific data demonstrating their association with cancer. I was not welcomed with respect to the message I was sending, which was that there were toxic ingredients in other brands in the market. So I did receive pushback. In a sense, I was asked to be silent in criticizing other brands. And I obliged in that because I didn't want, in the efforts of pioneering clean beauty, to make enemies for the established brands in the space. And it has taken decades for them to catch up with me. I'm glad to see that my pioneering work has led the charge and that I've led by example and that now it's finally catching on. 
a few more questions just about, you know, your career and how it's influenced your beauty philosophy now. You know, I know that you have a doctorate in genetics. It's one of your three um, degrees from Harvard. Why did you decide, you know, you obviously already had your MD, your BA and MD from Harvard. Why did you decide to go back and get the PhD as well? And how has studying genetics in, informed your work? I just think it's such a fascinating addition to your studies. Well, from a very young age, I always loved science, art, and had a passion for helping people and the world based on what you've heard already. And my mind has always been very active and engaged in the world. And medicine alone was not adequate for me to develop the intellectual aspect of my mind and apply it properly to the sciences. So my PhD in genetics built a solid foundation in scientific discovery. Now, as a board-certified dermatologist in both the U.S. and the EU, I have harnessed these areas of plant, environmental, and genetics sciences and expertise to discover plant actives in the lab and to originate and define clean beauty by eliminating hidden toxins in personal care products. I, a number of years ago, I realized all my dreams and founded both an organic farm in the Hudson Valley, as well as my own lab for isolating new plant actives for the industry. It's my PhD and rigorous scientific plant science and medical science background that enabled me to achieve these goals. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's so impressive. But one thing that I know about your career and your area of expertise and what, what you have studied is this idea of wanting to move patients away from procedures with, you know, in-office treatments and also additionally products that they can use at home. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? Just because I think that we're going to get into treatments later. And obviously you have, you know, pioneered this area as well. Yeah, I, I believe that... There is a place for everything in this world, and that encompasses both, you know, the clean natural space as well as procedural. Mm-hmm. And to be perfectly frank, if you look at my life story and what I've done in dermatology and medicine, I spent the first half of my career replacing plastic surgery with cosmetic procedures. Mm-hmm. I am someone who is very active in conducting FDA trials for both injectables as well as lasers and energy-based devices and pharmaceuticals and feel that in the first half of my career as a derm scientist, I successfully was able to pioneer air treatments, procedurals that replaced the need for plastic surgery. And I'm very, very proud of that. And that culminated in my textbook which I launched this past year, Alexiotis' Cosmetic Dermatologic Surgery, published by Walters Kluwer, which is the first and only condition-based or disorder-based textbook in the industry. So it guides the dermatologist, the plastic surgeon, or even the layman to look at what the treatment options are for medical, cosmetic, and surgical treatment options for each condition. And now what I'm doing in the second half of my career is replacing these very cosmetic procedures that I helped bring to the market through these FDA approval processes, replacing those with plant-based active ingredients. So I feel like there is still a place for everything, for medical, cosmetic, and surgical treatment options until I've been fully able 
to replace all of these procedures with active ingredients, which I believe is not only the future, I believe it's the here and now. So the ultimate goal will be to put this in the hands of the consumer and in my view, to democratize aesthetics. It shouldn't just be that this super affluent who can afford all these very expensive surgeries or procedures can have beauty. I believe that it can be in the hands of everyone. So I, I do see that the trend for me in my work and in my career is going from more to less invasive. And the stepwise way that I've done this is by first replacing surgical procedures with injectable and laser and energy-based cosmetic procedures, and then replacing now those with active ingredients at home. And I, I see that as the future and that the future is now. That glides right into the topic of this episode that I really want to get in with you is just this idea of skin longevity and you know healthy skin aging through these various resources. Um, you know, for so long, I do think that the natural and clean space had an uphill battle of showing people that natural ingredients could be effective means for healthy skin aging. Obviously, now I, I do think that perception is changing. I think so many people have started embracing, you know, natural ingredients and clean beauty in, in really huge ways. But I do think that there is still this misconception that using natural and clean ingredients is great and encouraged for certain types of skin. But then once you start discussing aging and maturing skin, all of a sudden we switch over to, you know, the more potent stuff or the more traditional skincare. And, you know, what's your reaction to that? Because obviously you have such a strong point of view in this regard. Hmm. Well, you know, at both my McCreen Actives Lab, my scientific and clean skincare and the work I do as the Clean Beauty Authority, I'm here to tell you that clean and scientifically proven are not mutually exclusive. In ancient Greece, in 400 BC, Hippocrates administered something called willow leaf, uh, a tea, which today is called aspirin, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the point is that we can harness the power of plants and that to remember that Western medicine came from Eastern medicine. In many parts of the world, medicinal botanicals have been the mainstay and many, many pharmaceutical drugs are derived from plants. So I think that that's something really important for your listener to grasp, which is that actually medicine comes from plants. And once you've realized that and internalized that and accepted it, it makes more sense, the notion of medicine coming from plants and therefore that we can achieve almost anything from plant-derived active ingredients. So in my brand, for example, I've included over 50 plant actives in each product of McCrean Actives, and these ingredients have each individually been published to help reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, blotching of the skin, discolorations, to improve skin texture, to boost skin thickness. So if you think about it logically and scientifically, since so many common drugs have come from plants, it stands to reason that we can isolate just about anything from plants to help with aesthetics of the skin and skin aging. And so my overarching goal of the brand is, of course, to replace cosmetic procedures now with active ingredients. And I believe I've accomplished this goal. So 
let's talk about some of these ingredients and some of these actives that excite you and that people should be looking for. You know, what are some of your favorite ingredients that help aging skin? And, you know, what are the mechanisms behind behind their how they work? I would just love to pick your brain on that. I, I'm somebody who's obsessed with ingredients and the chemistry behind formulas. So I, I'm I would love to hear some of your favorites. Excellent. Now we're getting to the heart of the podcast because this is where we're really drilling down and giving your listener like the information that they really need to hear. So I have a patent for my actives, what they do and how they are delivered. And for those really wanting to get into my brain, I mean, you can certainly read my hundreds of publications and patent on the subject, but the long and short of it is, is that I replaced each individual cosmetic procedure that I help pioneer, such as the injectables, peels, lasers, and so on, with actives. So, for example, peptides and microencapsulated hyaluronic acid to replace injectables, peptides, amino acids, DNA repair, mitochondrial repair, and phenols to replace lasers. So peptides and hyaluronic acid help reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles through skin thickness boosting. Okay. So historically, we did this using peels or lasers or injections. Instead, if you can deliver peptides and microencapsulated hyaluronic acid to the correct layer of the skin, you can therefore reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles through skin thickness boosting without injectables and without lasers. Amino acid derivatives, and these are many, these help to brighten brown blotches. Okay. In a sense, we have prescription grade agents such as these, or you can deliver these types of agents via peels, or you can target brown blotches through lasers. What I have done is taken all that knowledge and data of how that works and chosen to deliver it in such a way that I can do this with amino acid derivatives, which are in the cosmetic space. Now, in terms of red blotches, et cetera, redness of the skin, historically what we've done is we've treated that either with prescriptions or with lasers. Plant aminophilines, theophilines, methylxanthines, and natural caffeines that come from a host of plants, such as teas, for example, or coffee extract or cacao or feverfew, they help reduce the appearance of red blotches, soothe the skin, and added bonus, depuff. It, through a, a lymphatic drainage mecha- type mechanism. So you're, again, we're replacing lasers and devices and even maybe prescriptions with topical agents that are plant-derived to deliver these cosmetic benefits to the skin. Now- Yeah, I mean, just so quick question to follow up on this. You know, you said replace prescription. I think retinols of the world all they all get the, you know, derm stamp of approval. They're often called like the gold star anti-aging ingredient, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, does that have a place in this conversation? Do you, you know, see the benefit in somebody getting a prescription retinol? I'm just curious since we're talking about ingredients. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, as you know, have been in the lab for 40 years. Retinoic acid and how it works in the patterning of the organism is something that was actually pioneered in the lab that I, I, I worked in. I really understand how that master control gene works. And in adult skin, it 
basically reduces the stickiness of skin surface cells. And that results in a peeling action on the skin and a reduction in sebum activity. The net net being a a reduction ultimately in fine lines and wrinkles. And there's some data that there's also some collagen boosting as well. We always pay an homage to the first. It was the first active ingredient in the aesthetic space in the 1980s. And like the original Ford, we always have a nod for what was first. However, I did a study that demonstrated many years ago that 40% of adult women do not tolerate retinoids. It causes redness and flaking. I chose to replace retinoids with a host of hundreds of other active ingredients that achieve the same or better results without that shiny plastic look and without the redness and flaking and inflammation, not to say that people that don't tolerate retinoids shouldn't continue to use them, but to be able to encompass 100% of the population, irrespective of skin type, sensitivity, skin color, or gender. So I really am choosing to be inclusive in my endeavors. Again, I will always have a nod towards what historically was considered to be the gold standard. I still have a nod towards the traditional surgical facelift as well in my practice if somebody is that severe. But my goals are to replace some of these older established tried and true treatment options with newer, more tolerable and safe and healthy for the long term for the person using the product at home. And so that's my goal is I'm always looking towards the future and progress. And that is why when I talk about all these varied ingredients and what they achieve, in my mind, they're just much more forward and contemporary. You know, and just to round it out, talking about forward and contemporary, we've got Nobel Prize winning work in the cosmetic topical space. So I'm sure you've heard of the sea extracts from plankton, alga, and certain plant extracts such as like Micrococcus arabidopsis and even watermelon repairing the damage to DNA due to sun and pollutants to improve skin quality. I believe that we can repair the skin in real time to actually in the long term, instead of just chronically peeling the skin to make it look like it has less wrinkles, actually make the skin look and behave like 25-year younger skin. Sure. You know, just to dive into this a little bit more, because, you know, I, I, I so agree with you. I'm somebody who who believes in building up the skin rather than, you know, consistently tearing it down. And I, I say that as somebody who has admittedly over exfoliated in her life before, quite a bit before I got smarter with my skincare. I was, I was a pretty notable over exfoliator. Um, but, you know, to your point of building up the skin versus, you know, constantly peeling off the layers, this does feel like a relatively new philosophy in in skincare, I would say. I just feel like for so long, we really did encourage people to, to keep on chipping away at their skin in hopes of getting younger looking skin. Like, what is this philosophy shift that you're seeing? Are you seeing it? Do you, you know, or is it something that you've always believed in that like finally people are catching up with? Like, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, without, without, with the risk of sounding a little bit like, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant or like <laughs> monomaniacal at all, but like, yes, it just seems like it takes everybody, you know, half century to kind of catch up with my, my, what seems so obvious to me. It totally. was so obvious to me that we needed to replace and that we could most easily replace toxic pesticides and toxic preservatives. And we can do anything. And it was also extremely obvious to me when I became a dermatologist out of the starting gate in, uh, in the year 2000, when I started practicing, that this notion of repeatedly peeling the skin was creating an ashy appearance to the patients who were who were utilizing this approach. And the whole idea of con constantly traumatizing the skin. I really believe in homeopathy, in small dosing. I believe that if something hurts, there's something not so good about something that hurts. So if somebody's going to put an acid on a regular basis and, and, hurt, and hurt the skin, there must be harm being done. So from a very young age, I had this idea of nurturing. It reminds me of the, the, the old fairy tale about the sun versus the north wind and who won the battle. They were trying, they both were trying to get a man on earth to remove the coat and how the north wind said, watch me. And they blew and blew and blew. And the more they blew, the more the old man held tightly to his coat around his shoulders. And the sun said, step aside and sh shined brightly. And the man just gently took off his coat. So yeah. what I'm saying is by force, we're not going to get where we want to be. We need to coax the skin cells to do it themselves. And so even in my lasers and my injectables, I believe in biostimulatory. I believe in harnessing the power of the cells to repair themselves. We will unlock our own secrets best. We're finding this in cancer too. Immunotherapy, the immune system does a better job than chemo drugs. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Let's harness our own power. Don't fight ourselves with the North Wind, but get our cells to do their own work gently and through a nod and stimulation. So what I'm doing with my actives is I'm tapping into the DNA repair processes that are present in all cells across species. So by providing the cells with you know, antioxidants, through your diet and through topical therapy, providing your skin with the DNA restore stimulators that already exist from sea and plant extracts. I'm just helping our skin do its own work. Through peptides and microencapsulated hyaluronic acid, you're providing what I call to be a stimulatory effect. When we're doing it with lasers and injectables, we call it biostimulatory. So if you look at youthful skin, when we're like 25 before the collagen and the elastin starts to degrade. Yes, you heard that right, 25. Collagen does start to decline as early as your mid-20s. When exactly this happens varies a bit thanks to genetics, but once it starts, we lose about 1% of collagen each year, every year thereafter. Your next major dip happens in menopause when people lose up to 30% of their collagen in a five-year period. And we start to accumulate DNA damage, mutations that result in poor texture, wrinkles, and spot. To get back to that point, it is possible by just going in and repairing the damage that's been done, as opposed to 
thinking that by harming the skin, by traumatizing it and causing wound healing through scar formation, that we're going to have a better aesthetic outcome. I believe that my way is the right way. It's been proven now over 20 years of my research and 30 actually started in 2000. And so it's, it's really, we're looking now at how the, everybody else is kind of catching on and catching up with me. And I think that eventually this notion of restoring our 25 year old genomics and phenomics and utilizing biostimulatory as much as possible is going to be found to be way superior to anything that makes you temporarily look like you have less wrinkles because you're actually covering your skin with scar formation. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But I do just have a follow-up question to that. I mean, what are the limitations to treating all this stuff with natural and organic? Is there like anything that we need to tell people to be realistic about? And I say this because I guess the crux of my question is, is there a point that somebody's they've done too much damage to their skin and they're not going to be able to get it back to this point. And so they do need something that's a little bit more intense. Like what's your balance with that? Just because I think that, you know, it's, there's. Yes. 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 yes, I agree. Patience is a virtue and slow and steady wins the race. I think that's what I want people to pay attention to here. If you use natural and organic ingredients in your skincare or even in your diet, you will in the long run look better, healthier, and more beautiful than those who go for the quick fixes. Quick fixes like excessive injectables or lasers or harsh bleaching agents, peels, retinoids, or other aggressive treatments may look good for a night or two or a week or even a month or two. But if overused, they can damage the skin. And as the months and years go by, the skin can actually if overused, look worn and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So you're far better served going with the healthy organic plant ingredients that actually boost skin levels and naturally repair damage so that you look better and more beautiful in the long term with age. I wanted to bring that up just because I do think it's such a good reminder that, you know, the advice that we're giving people do need to know that this is about longevity. It's not about, you know, waking up tomorrow and looking 20 years younger. It's about looking consistently better for the rest of your life. And that's just not the way we've been taught to think about this stuff in the beauty space. You know, every ad you see is like, look, look younger instantly, do this fast, you know, and it's, it really is a mindset shift that, I think we need to ask consumers to make because, you know, this isn't, to your point, this isn't about quick fixes anymore. This is about, you know, hey, we want to take care of your skin forever. Yes. And I often tell my patients, I understand they're wanting to get results faster, especially in this day and age where, you know, everything is moving faster and our mortality is very much, we're very much aware of it. And I do have respect for that. And I honor that. So when I see a patient, whatever age they may be, I get into their mind. It's something that I do, which I've since found out is something called neurologic coupling. So I understand what it is a patient is really eager to achieve. So I often say we fake it till we make it. And like, for example, with my tinted moisturizer, it covers as it treats, but scientific studies have shown that it reduces the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. It smoothens the skin. It reduces the appearance of both red and brown blotches. The complexion gets better even after you stop using it. 
So, but in the meantime, because it covers and it reflects your own internal light, you get that immediate quick fix that allows you to keep going so that you work on the back burner on your long-term goals, which is to actually permanently make the skin look better. But in the meantime, you're getting what you need. And I do yeah. this in my practice as well. I lay out for the, for the patient the comprehensive decision tree encompassing the medical, cosmetic, and surgical treatment options in the order they should be considered. And we walk through these together and I listen to their priorities. And they listen to my assessment and my recommendations based on the severity of each of their issues and the treatment options available and the relative safety and efficacy of each so that we all make informed decisions. And so because I have such a common sense, balanced approach to what people want and yet what's best for them, I see that both for skincare as well as for procedural in the office, I try to give people an immediate improvement while I incubate those long-term improvements because I my patients are the best looking people in the world in the long term. And <laughs> I'd agree I agree with that. Say, I know some of your I, clients and I've seen you. I, I believe that <laughs> you, you do know, some pretty people, good work. Look, I mean, I love, I really enjoy what I do and I love being the best at whatever it is I, I do. So it really, to me, this is my reward for having sacrificed my life for my patients and my and and the brand that I'm building with the with the skin active ingredients and the mission of clean beauty and organic actives for the world. So this is my reward. My reward is my people 10, 20, 30 years later being the best looking people in the room. And that just gives me such a reward and I'm telling you I can assure that my patient's skin is always going to be better than everybody else in the in the field. And it's important to have those realistic expectations, especially when we're talking about natural and organic, people still want to see a result relatively quickly. So I really balance my scientific actives with the long-term goals that I have in mind. So you kind of talked about one thing that I wanted to to ask you about is just, you know, when a, when a client comes in and, you know, you're walking them through the process and... But just to kind of follow up, you know, you you said that you you take time to get to know their needs and why they have those needs and really try to dive into the why behind it all. So, you know, I'm just curious, you know, what sort of things do you ask them? What sort of is there anything that is a little bit like of a red flag to you if somebody like came in and they wanted X, Y, Z for you know, X reason. And you would say, you know, I don't recommend this treatment at this time. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm curious about how, how you approach your patients, given you have such a specific point of view. Here's the thing. I don't have a specific point of view per se. I have the ability to what couple, to really get into my patient's mind very easily and see things from their point of view. Mm. And I think that's been my strength in why I've been able to bond with my patients and achieve the goals that they're looking for. But because I have the skills that I have, the experience, the knowledge, and the talents that were gifted to me by nature, I'm able to achieve those results in a safe and effective manner with the fewest steps possible. So for example, I do get into the patient's mind and I very, I, I, I literally, it's like, it's as if that I've closed my eyes and I've jumped into your brain and I'm seeing you how you see you. So I'm able to internalize your priorities, what it is you're seeing that bothers you. But then I'm still Dr. Macrina Alexiades who knows 
truly what caused these issues, whether it's, say, skin sagging or eyelid wrinkles or brown spots or cellulite. But I have the knowledge, the mastery to be able to say, actually, this is what's causing your problem. Let's fix this in the fewest steps. And so I can go through all the treatment options, including skincare, prescriptions, injectables, lasers and energy-based devices, cosmetic procedures, and surgical options. Because every patient has something called autonomy. Every patient has decision-making capability and responsibility but there's something called informed consent. Everybody needs to make an informed consent. My job is to inform. I provide you with the breadth and the depth of knowledge and the panoply and how the decisions can be made and in what priority based on science and evidence. And I also will render my professional opinion as to the severity of your condition and the decision tree. But ultimately, my job is to really inform and to provide these comprehensive opportunities for the patient. And then the patient makes that informed decision. And I, and I have to say that because of the, the coupling that I, where I really get into the patient's mind, and because I have such a mastery of this field, my patients invariably make the decision that is best for them with the fewest steps and safe and effective. Sometimes people are so far gone, they need plastic surgery. I have no problem recommending that. Sometimes they need to have a procedure because they really haven't done any skincare in 30 or 40 or 50 years. I'm realistic. I understand that sometimes we have to punctuate skincare with procedures, but my goal through this rapid cognition process that I do is I try to get people to their goals with the fewest number of treatments and always safe and highly effective. And that's how I do it so that I can get people to a point where they then just maintain with active ingredients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of gets into a little bit of a phenomenon that, you know, I'm seeing in the, in the wellness and the beauty space is people who, you know, they eat organic, they use clean and safe products, they live very holistically. And additionally, they also get injectables or lasers or fillers, Botox, you know. And I I am not somebody who has had any procedures yet. I at this point in my life, it's not for me, but that's not, you know, I don't bring this up to judge people. I think people should be able to do whatever they want to their skin and they should have the, you know, the power and and obviously the right to do it. I just I bring up this question because I think it is a fascinating area of of two worlds kind of coming together and blending together. And, you know, I think for so long, the people who felt that they were in the natural space and the wellness space said, oh, well, Botox and filler and stuff isn't for me. And the people mm -hmm. who were in the camp of, you know, any sort of procedures perhaps weren't the people who are using clean and traditional and organic. And now it's so clearly married together. And I feel like this has been a fairly recent um, development. And I'm just so curious as somebody who does marry these two worlds in, you know, such a, such a natural way, for lack of a better word, you know, I'm curious to see your thoughts on this you know, this, this relatively new phenomenon I, I see. Yeah, I really see it as perfect is the enemy of good. Yes. I think it is imperative that everyone make a best effort, whether it is to be clean or organic or good for the environment or vegan, but not shame anyone or mm -hmm. feel shame themselves 
for not being exclusively organic, clean, et cetera. Shame is not a tool, but a hindrance mm. pretty much to all efforts, frankly, but especially in to pertinent to our discussion, to the effort in making our world fully toxin-free and sustainable for generations to come. So, I mean, here, you know, I try to teach start young to stay young because I believe that I have replaced procedures with plant actives. And if you do start when you're like in your twenties, you may never need procedures. And that's wonderful. However, if you come to me at the age of 40 with damaged skin, there is nothing negative about doing a procedure or two to get you to where you need to be than to maintain with organic actives. I'm just going to take a moment to talk about a trend that we have been seeing in the beauty industry that has been happening for the last several years. It's something called preventative Botox or also called baby Botox. We are finding that it is surging among millennials and even Gen Z. It's essentially doing small doses of Botox that don't render your face completely immobile, but softens the movements so you are less likely to develop those deep wrinkles later. In 2015, a survey found that 18% of all injections were done on people in their 30s. That same survey found that more than 100,000 injections were for patients in their 20s. Now, the long-term implications of baby Botox are still being studied, so the jury is still out on what this does to the skin long-term. Some people fear that it might thin the skin. Others fear it will lead to muscle atrophy, while still others say it is completely safe. Again, we're still waiting. This is all to say with the increased interest, especially with people who are so young, it is so, so important to remind people that Botox is a medical procedure. It is not without risk and it is not without potential complications. So it should always, always, always be administered by a medical practitioner who is trained in aesthetics. My patients tell me all the time, they don't understand why or how my injectables give them permanent improvements. And I'm here to say that if it's done with it art, artistically and act with accuracy to the proper placement, I do achieve permanent improvement. So I look at every procedure as something that's going to yield a permanent outcome. So then my ultimate goal is they can then maintain with more, more organic actives. So I believe in punctuating a steady, healthy lifestyle and habits with interventions so that people achieve their goals with minimum toxicity and maximum health. Yeah. I think that probably resonates with a lot of people. And I think it's important that in the beauty space and wellness spaces that we don't really gatekeep because ultimately we want everybody to, you know, live more holistic lives. And the only way you can do that is if you allow people to live in a way that feels authentic to them. Thank you. And I also believe that by doing the steps that I'm taking, like, okay, so with McCrean Actives, I have a ton of plant-derived actives, right? But it's impossible for me to get the efficacy of what I'm looking for and the toxin-free if I wait for every single one of these to be organically grown, for example. Mm, So what I believe is by creating the demand for the, by providing results, actually clinically meaningful, scientifically proven results to the consumer, it's going to drive the demand so that eventually 
my liposomally encapsulated resveratrol will not only be glycol-free as I have the only glycol-free one in the world, but also or USDA certified organically grown. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Like by delivering the results that I'm delivering, I am pushing the industry forward. I've led the industry already in pioneering clean, but I'm going to move it forward so we can ultimately all achieve our dreams of having everything be from A to Z, toxin-free, USDA certified organic, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if we wait for it, you, we're not going to have the efficacy and the demand won't be there. We will, sure. It will actually slow us down. So I think this is the way to go. This is the path forward. Yeah. You know, so often in this podcast and just in conversations, one comparison that people bring up is the comparison between the food and the beauty industry. And I mm -hmm. do think it's an apt comparison for what you're saying is that like, the demand for healthy and organic foods and that market, you know, that came from consumer demand. And that came from people, you know, being like shopping at Whole Foods and saying, oh, you know, I, I like these options better. Because, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have grocery stores like that, you know, where, where I was. And now you can get healthy foods and organic foods. And, I think there is a comparison to the beauty industry because, you know, if if the consumer demands it, then the industry will come. Right. But the consumer will not demand it if the products that are known to be clean or organic continually are shown to be suboptimal in efficacy. Totally. So that's where McCrean Actives is, is really moving everything forward because these products that I've created and formulated are so over the top in terms of the number and the scientific effectiveness of the ingredients that you are getting clinically meaningful results. And so that is pulling more and more people into the clean space who otherwise would have stayed in the sort of toxic skincare world because they're, they really want those results. They're results driven. Yeah. So I am creating that demand because now they know that it is within reach and it is possible. So in addition, I'm creating the demand for the industry in that I am demanding that organic, more and more organic plant-derived actives be available. And mm -hmm. so that was really the reason why I founded my organic farm. And I have a lab where I'm extracting and isolating new active ingredients for the industry and defining them. So that'll be my legacy for the future, is be if the patients and the consumer demands and wants these healthy alternatives and, they, and they're seeing results, it allows for a greater demand and pull so that I can devote more and more resources towards the future. Yeah. You know, fault that it goes quite well into my next, next point that I wanted to ask you is, you know, as somebody such as yourself, who is involved in so many aspects of the beauty industry, you know, you're in the skincare industry, you're in dermatology, you're in aesthetics, you're in procedures. What sort of changes do you wish to see in these space? You know, obviously we talked a lot about switching more towards natural and clean, but is there anything additional that you see that bothers you now that we haven't had a chance to really tackle? Is there anything that, yes. you know, red flags in the industry that you just yes, you, yes, you really yes. wish we could get to? Absolutely. I mean, I want to leave a legacy behind through my pioneer work. I founded the Clean Beauty Authority. And my goal is to leave the world more sustainable for future generations and more beautiful than the way I found it. But we don't just want to fix the methods for eliminating toxic ingredients. The emphasis I'm placing, the spotlight I'm placing is we need to change manufacturing practices. 
We also have to ensure ethical and eco-sustainable sourcing of ingredients and materials. These are things that people are not yet focused upon. To be organic and be in a plastic pot is cognitive Mm. dissonance and Mm. it's denial. So what we need is from top to bottom, not just ingredients and doing this piecemeal, we need to be honest and forthright and manufacturing practices need to be changed. And that has to do with packaging componentry, the way the labs are filling these products to eliminate cross-contamination, such as what we've seen recently, and the ethical sourcing of ingredients. Long ago, I discovered that mica was being mined by underage children and very large cosmetic companies were caught with their pants down. Not Macrina Alexiatis. Why? Because I source each and every ingredient individually. Eco-sustainable sourcing of ingredients as well, making certain we're not harming uh, the environment. And then the cruelty-free. So many ingredients are animal derived and it is not in, it is not appearing on the packaging having transparency so that we know for a fact that those ingredients are actually not through the supply chain actually sourced from animal sources these are all things that i'm trying to do with the clean beauty authority that we can leave you know the this whole industry skincare and dermatology in a tip top shape yeah The supply chain is such a hard part of this discussion. And, you know, obviously there are watchdogs who try to keep their eye on it, but it's, it's so hard for the consumer. And I just feel bad for the consumer because I don't think that obviously the consumer doesn't want to play a part of this, but because beauty brands are so traditionally there, they hide all their supply chain demand consumers have no idea where all this stuff is coming from and who's touched it. And it's, it has to be so frustrating for the consumer. So, you know, I, I think that's why we are seeing brands who really care about this stuff, who actually, actually care about this stuff, just putting it all out there and being transparent with every step of the way. And I think that's really, really inspiring. Absolutely. I I see a movement happening and it's really exciting. And what I'm trying to focus on on now, and you can find it on my website with the clean beauty definitions I put forth, is to make it easier for the consumer. And frankly, for all these companies who don't have my scientific background in plant agricultural science, molecular genetics and dermatology, I have classified the ingredients into classes based on the mechanism of action of toxicity. Because what I found was they were they were creating these never-ending no-no lists yep. um, with no rhyme or reason, making it almost impossible for the consumer to really know how to choose amongst products. And frankly, making it very difficult for these brands to really know what they were doing. So I am classifying ingredients according to mechanism of action of toxicity, packaging materials based on the scientific basis for their leaching harmful uh, chemicals into our skin and the environment, and establishing firm sourcing guidelines and practices to ensure that products are truly cruelty-free and free of animal human-derived ingredients and sourced ethically by equal trade practices. And this will really go a very long way in helping all these companies, you know, just lifting some of of the heavy load they're trying to carry. But and the same for the consumer. I just think it's a very heavy lift 
And I'm in a position where hopefully I will be able to structure it and organize it so that they can simply look something up and find it very readily, as opposed to going back to these long lists of ingredients that are banned and constantly feeling like they're behind the eight ball with new reports coming out in the literature or in popular news on a daily basis you know, on here's a new ingredient, here's a new packaging, here's a new contaminant that was found. It's important to have a centralization that's going to make it easier for all of these brands that are really trying very hard to do the right thing. Yeah. Because I do think to your point, I do think a lot of people in the beauty industry, you know, they are trying to do the right thing. I, and I think people do come to this, to this industry not everybody, but I do think a lot of people come to this industry with the best of intentions. You know, I think that if you are interested in beauty, you're interested in helping people. You know, it's a it's an industry of service, and it's just it, it's sometimes hard to do the right thing. And I think that's where we kind of get tripped up on. Um, but you yes. know, final question: What do you do for yourself? This is a product question, of course, but it's so much more than that. Lifestyle habits, routines. You know, how do you take care of your body and your skin? Well, I joke sometimes in the office that I very selfishly made like an entire brand for myself. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to tell everybody, but it is kind of true because at one point I wanted all of these wonderful active ingredients. And again, this is going over 20 some odd years ago that I wanted so badly to be able to use all of these ingredients when I first became a dermatologist, but I was paralyzed with fear because they were, they were full of parabens and phthalates and glycols and acrylates. And I said to myself, oh my goodness, I'm going to be doing more harm than good, more harm than good. If you think about it, if you were getting like three or four active ingredients in the year 2000 from a product that was, was full of all these toxins. And don't forget each one being maximally preserved with the maximum allowable of preservable preservatives means that if you layered on five products to get all your dream ingredients on your face, you were five times exceeding the maximum allowable preservative. So I was paralyzed at that point. I was like, I want to do good, but first I want to do no harm. So that was one of my main motivators for formulating myself and getting all my dream ingredients into one pot that was free of toxins. So the whole brand was really geared towards my view of what I wanted and what I believe were proven active ingredients. So I do the cream first, and then I do the serum. And the reason I did the serum afterwards is because as, of course, you age, new issues emerge, particularly laxity of the skin. So now we're talking 100 active ingredients. And the reason the cream goes on first is it's all liposomally encapsulated. There are no fillers. There's no petrolatum, mineral oil, or paraffin wax akin to most or many very moisturizing creams on the market that would then impede or block the penetration of active ingredients on top. So I put my cream first. So those liposomes, they deliver those ingredients deep into the skin. Then I use the serum on top and that's for extra firming. For my neck and decolletage, I use my neck and deck. That's another 50 active ingredients. Then I started using on my hands. Now I've like extended a little bit up the arms as I've gotten a little bit uh, older. And then I have my lip, so that replaces lip filler, and that has the hyaluronic acid and then 20 other actives. And then my tinted moisturizer, you know, under eyes, or if I'm doing a photo shoot, and that's another 45 actives, and it has a lot of anti-pollutants. And that's like my routine. And then the Blue Zone lifestyle. It speaks to my incorporation of the Mediterranean organic diet, a nod to my Greek heritage, 
natural exercise on my farm because the people in the blue zones, they live a very long time. They live over the age of 100. Like in my native Greece, they're going up and down these rocky hills and into the water. And it's just a really rigorous life. So I mimic that on the farm. And then sleep for me is like really, a, I'm a firm believer in the growth hormone that's released by sleep and believe they believe in it in Greece as well. And so getting that sleep is really key to getting the skin to rejuvenate and all the organs, frankly, to rejuvenate. And then the other is everything in moderation. I don't believe in excessive restriction because that results in binging. So I think it's really important if you want that glass of barrel wine, okay, that's fine. If you want to indulge in a treat once in a while, that's fine too. You have to like go with your body, what it needs and what it craves, but always make sure to include, you know, farm to table, seasonal foods, such as the fruits that are out in season right now, they have the vitamins eat seasonally, whatever vegetables are growing at this time of year in your local farm stand, that's going to be most effective at healing your body. So I think that having that connection with the earth is really important for longevity and lifestyle habits. And I really firmly adhere to those. I think that's beautiful. And I think that is, I mean, incredible advice coming from somebody who is as well-studied as you. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, your advice with us, and you know your, your lifestyle and your habits. I think this is all something that we can absolutely take home with us and you know work on on ourselves. And I, I, I am just so thankful that you joined us today. So thank you. Thank you for this. I do want to say one last thing, and I don't know how much this is helping me with my lifestyle. But I found that what the one thing that's kept me the happiest in my life is doing for others. Yeah, you know, getting out of your own head and doing helping somebody else, it has rewards physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So doing something to help somebody else or help an animal or help your environment, I believe that too makes us all more beautiful. I do too. I think everything is skincare at the end of the day. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I think, you know, how we treat ourselves and how we treat others and how we treat the earth around us, it's its all interconnected. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you, Alex. This was so wonderful. Thank you so much for hosting me. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Hey, guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the Mind Body Green Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.